If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9. I forget the exact context, but I have quoted before Toby Keith's song, I Want to Talk About Me. Some of you all know that song, the part of it, chorus, I guess, goes, I want to talk about me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one, oh me, oh my. What I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but occasionally, I want to talk about me. Y'all don't know that song? It's a guy talking about his relationship with a girl, and sometimes, I guess, he feels like she's always talking about her, and he wants to talk about, sometimes at least, me. And while that might be okay between a relationship with a man and a woman, when it comes to our relationship with God, I'm not so sure that's a great idea. We're going to look at a passage this morning in Nehemiah chapter 9. It's going to move in four parts, I think. Really three, but then it's, it's got a fourth to it, I think. You, 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 you. And every time he says you, he talks about some really great stuff. But they, 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 we. Whenever he talks about they and we, he's talking about the Israelites, and it's not so good. You, 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 you. We, 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 we. But you. When he begins to talk about God again, it's magnificent. And so maybe the fourth movement is then so please. We're going to begin this way. I'm going to read chapter 9. There's a lot here. Maybe I'll make some notes along the way, but then I want to charge us with a few things. Let's just read it. You remember Ezra is now on the scene, and in chapter 8, Ezra led them to reform their lives around the Word of God. He read the Word of God to them, and they responded to it with a posture of humility and a longing for obedience. And now, if chapter 8 is the Word, chapter 9 maybe is prayer. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the sons of Israel assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with dirt upon them. The descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. While they stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day, and for another fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Now on the Levites' platform stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chanani, and they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites said, Arise, bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Oh, may your glorious name be blessed and exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. 
You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows, bows down before you. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out from Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, the Gergesite, to give it to his descendants. And you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. Then you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly toward them and made a name for yourself as it is this day. You divided the sea before them, so they passed through the midst of the sea on dry ground, and their pursuers you hurled into the depths like a stone into raging waters. And with a pillar of cloud you led them by day, and with a pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. Then you came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. You gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. So you made known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments, statutes, and law through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for them for their hunger and brought forth water from a rock for them for their thirst. And you told them to enter in order to possess the land which you swore to give them. But they... Our fathers acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did, not under, and did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, This is our God who brought you up from Egypt and committed great blasphemies. You, in your great compassion, did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth. You gave them water for their thirst. Indeed, Forty years you provided for them in the wilderness, and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. You also gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted them to them as a boundary. They took possession of the land of Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. You made their sons as numerous as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to enter and possess." So their sons entered and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites. And you gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land to do with them as they desired. They captured fortified cities and a fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing, hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, and grew fat, and reveled in your great goodness. But they became disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs, killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you and committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. But when they cried to you in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven according to your great compassion. You gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors, but... As soon as they had rest, they did evil against you again before you. 
Therefore you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. When they cried out again to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you rescued them according to your compassion and admonished them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted arrogantly, did not listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. They turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not listen. However, you bore with them for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and loving kindness, do not let all the hardships seem insignificant before you, which has come upon us, our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and on all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria to this day. However, you are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. For our kings, our leaders, our priests, our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your admonitions, which you have admonished them. But they, in their own kingdom, with your great goodness, which you gave them, with the broad and rich land which you set before them, did not serve you or turn from their evil deeds. Behold, we are slaves today. And as to the land which you gave to our fathers to eat of its fruit and its bounty, behold, we are slaves in it. Its abundant produce is for the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They also rule over our bodies and over our cattle as they please. So we are in great distress. Maybe we'll come to verse 38 at the end. Certainly, Lord willing, next week. This is a prayer that they cried out. They cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. I think I see four things that would be good for us coming from this incredible prayer. Number one, let's be a mindful people when it comes to our story of grace. To be mindful is to be conscious or aware to what God has done for us. And all we have to do is read through this prayer, and they are a mindful people of all of the grace that God has brought their way. The creation in verse 6, choosing of Abraham and covenanting with him in 7 and 8, the exodus from Egypt in 9 through 12, including the plagues upon Egypt, the Red Sea crossing, and the leading to Mount Sinai, the giving of the law at Sinai, the provision of bread and water in the wilderness, the possession, taking possession of the promised land, just as God had said, the deliverance through the judges time and time and time again, the giving of the kings and even the gift of the prophets that God would send to call the people back to obedience. Over and over and over again, they took note of their story of grace. 
Here they were, the remnant of God's people that had returned from, they had been taken away by the Assyrians, the Babylonians came to power, and the Babylonians took more of them away. Then the Persians came to power, and under King Cyrus of Persia, according to God's ways, they were allowed to come back. And so here is the remnant of God's people back in the land. They're still under the thumb of Persia. They have rebuilt the walls, and now they are seeking to rebuild their lives around God's Word and in relationship to Him. And one of the things that they are so able to do is recount. You did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that. You, 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 you. They were mindful people to His grace towards them. I suspect every one of the Israelites that were here, had you asked them, tell me how God has been gracious towards you, would have, could have given a very personal account of how God had specifically and uniquely been gracious towards him or her. But at the same time, they could be mindful as well of God's grace to them as a people. And I wonder if that might not be good for you and for me. Because we have a story of common grace as well. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you could give a very personal and unique testimony as to how God has changed your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that would be awesome. It is awesome. But you know what? We also share a common story of grace. Theologians might call this the order of salvation. Just what did God do and then what did he do? 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 For we, his people. For us, his people. First of all, if you're a Christian, he elected you, chose you before the foundation of the world according to his sovereign and good pleasure. If you have chosen Christ, it is because He first chose you. And He did it unconditionally. He didn't look through the corridor of time and say, ooh, Mitch is a good one. I'll take him. Justin's a good one. I'll take him. No, it was unconditional. He, there was nothing in me or in you that moved God to say, I'll take him. I'll take her. It was of His sovereign and free grace. He chose us. He elected us before the foundation of the world. He predestined us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, Romans 8, in Ephesians 1, He predestined us that we would become His children. And then along the way, He called us. He drew us. He wooed us to that place 
when hearing the gospel on that particular occasion, you may have heard it a hundred, maybe a thousand times before, but in that one instance, you heard it again or you pondered it again and your eyes were opened. As Paul or as Luke recounts the story of what happened in Acts 16, he said of Lydia that God the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. If you know Jesus, sometime along the way, you responded to the gospel. You said yes to Jesus. And the reason is because the Holy Spirit of God was calling you to himself and opened your heart, just as he did to Lydia so long ago. He regenerated you. You were spiritually dead, unable to respond to the gospel, and then, and it's fancy, he regenerated you. He made you alive. This is what often gets translated, born again. You were dead, but then you were born again. You were given spiritual life by God. And as a result, you willingly responded to the gospel of Jesus. You said yes. We would call this conversion. As Chris prayed, as we are praying for men and women, boys and girls, all over our city throughout this month, that they would, as Chris said, repent and believe and trust in Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, you did. You heard the gospel. He opened your heart. You repented of your sins and you trusted in Jesus Christ. And he did a bunch of things, just a couple of them. He justified you. We talk about this all the time, but it's so important to biblical Christianity that through faith in Jesus Christ, he has justified you. He has forgiven your sins and declared you to be righteous before him based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that in Christ we are justified. Our sins are forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus is ours. And thus we are accepted and loved by God. He also adopted you into his family. He made you a part of his family. Adoption. He, he loves you. And he put his Holy Spirit in you and began a process of sanctification, giving you new life from the inside out and new desires so that you would begin to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And he holds you fast. He preserves you and me all the way to the end when one day we will be glorified. God will finally remove all traces of sin from our lives. He will give us a resurrection body, and we will live forever and forever with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. And it's all of grace. We all have our unique stories, but, but it fits into this common story of grace. Katie Katner, our kids director, sent me a video earlier this week. You might guess that I'm quite happy Tom Brady is back. 
And it was a video showing possibly why it is that Tom so quickly came out of retirement and back into the NFL. Maybe you saw it. It was a spoof video. Tom walks into the kitchen, and there's his wife, Giselle, and he says, Hey, babe, uh, Gronk and I are going to go out riding uh, jet skis today. Is that cool? And, of course, Giselle then starts to name or list all of the things that he's got to do. She begins to talk about the kids' schedule. She begins to talk about things out in the yard that need to be done. She begins to talk about some painting around the house that needs to be done. She takes him out to the garage and shows him where he needs to put in some sort of storage deal because they got all this stuff. She takes him up into the attic, shows him what a mess it is up there, talks to him about PTA, talks to him about this, 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 and this, and this. And as she's doing that, she keeps saying, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. And at one point in the video, he says to her, you sure do say, and then, a lot. God elected you. And then predestined you. And then called you. And then regenerated you. And then converted you. And then justified you. And then adopted you. And then reconciled you. And then indwelt you with his spirit. And then will never leave you. And he's with you all the time. And then He's going to sanctify you, and then He's going to preserve you, and then He's going to glorify you, and then, 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 and then. You, 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 you. Let's be a mindful people to all that God has done for us. Second, be a humble people. Let's not forget our many sins, right? We saw that over and over again. Against the backdrop of God's amazing grace towards Israel was there time and time and time again that they would sin against him in verse 16, but they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen, did not remember your wondrous deeds which you had performed among them. Verse 18, even when they made for themselves a golden calf, a calf of molten metal, and said, this is our God who brought us up from Egypt, they committed great blasphemies. Verse 26, they became disobedient, rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, killed your prophets who had admonished them. Verse 28, as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. 29b, they acted arrogantly and did not listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. They turned a stubborn shoulder, stiffened their neck, and would not listen. Verse 30b, they would not give ear. Time and time and time and time again. In verse 32 and following, when he, they, if you will, are, are done recounting the past and are going to begin asking of God, they, they say it again. In verse 33, however, you are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. 
our kings, our leaders, our priests, our fathers have not kept your law. Maybe we should be mindful, certainly, of the story of God's grace in our lives, of all that he has done, but also to be humble, remembering the many, many times that maybe we have turned against him. Maybe in this month, if you've joined us in prayer and fasting, you've sensed maybe more deeply than ever your own sin, maybe even the sins of the church. I think we all know, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you know that in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus dictates, if you will, letters to the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Laodicea, Pergamum, Philadelphia, Thyatira. And I think one of them escapes his uh, but I have this against you. Six of them. Jesus praises them for all that they're doing well, but then says, but this. I think we know that, like to believe that Jesus might praise Redeemer Community Church, and we'd like to believe that it'd be a long list of things that he would say is so wonderful about Redeemer. Let's believe it together, huh? But he might also say, but this. I want you to consider this. I want you to ponder this. I want you to repent from, confess before me, and move in a different way. Whatever those might be, what do you do with them? I think we do what what Nehemiah and Ezra, I'm sorry, Ezra and those that he was leading did, the people of Israel, they talked to God about them. I love it back in verse, oh, where is it at? There at the end of verse 3. And for another fourth, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. That's what you and I are to do with sin. Confess it to Him and worship Him. Because it's, in confession to him that he wipes the slate clean and leads us to worship. Whenever you personally come to a sense of your sins, you are not, let me just say, do not run from God, but run to him. You only have to ask and answer the question, where else are you going to run? Go to Him. You go to Him. You go to Him. You go to Him. Just as they are. They are going to Him. They are confessing their sins to Him. It keeps them humble, I'm sure. To remember all the times over and over again and even to their current day. As they fall short of the glory of God. My buddy posted this quote this week from ancient theologian, I guess, John Chrysostom. Be ashamed when you sin. Don't be ashamed when you repent. 
Sin is the wound. Repentance is the medicine. Sin is followed by shame. Repentance is followed by boldness. Satan has overturned this order and given boldness to sin and shame to repentance. Let's take our sins to the Lord. Let's confess them to Him. Repent from them. And in having done that, have a sense of boldness because God forgives His people. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So let's be a mindful people. Let's remember the story of God's grace. Let's be a humble people. Let's consider our sins. And then I told the girls last night at the dinner table, I'm going to use a word in my sermon I've never used before, and I'm even going to use it in a main point. Let's be a flabbergasted people. I told that to Dennis this morning, and he said, hey, yeah, maybe you could use gobsmacked. It's British, but it means the same thing. Let's be a flabbergasted people, a gobsmacked people. What, is, what do both of those mean? Greatly surprised, astonished, astounded for any reason could be good or bad. Your child does something not so good, and you might get flabbergasted that they would do such a thing. So surprised, astonished. Or they might commit a really cool act of obedience, and you didn't even have to ask them, and you would be flabbergasted, astonished, amazed, in a good way. Well, I noted it earlier. I hope you noted it when we read through it. You, 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 but they, but we, but you. Did you see it? Every time they sinned, verse 16, our fathers acted arrogantly, became stubborn, would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen, did not remember your wondrous deeds which you have performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. And you forsook them forever. Not. But you are a God of forgiveness. Gracious and compassionate. At least in the New American Standard, six times over, he's going to use the word compassionate. Always after they sinned. He was full of grace and everything he did for them, and all they did was turn away, stiffen their necks, and sin against him. But he was compassionate. You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Some of you, that's ringing in your ears from Exodus 34, 6, and 7. We've said it before. It's the most quoted verse in the whole Bible. When Moses says, show me your glory, and God says, okay, here's my glory. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, who keeps uh, something else really good and is really good, will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. 
Moses wants to see his glory, and God says, this is who I am. And it gets quoted the Bible over, and here's six of those accounts. And you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, this is our God who brought us up from Egypt, committed great blasphemies. You, in your great compassion, did not forsake them. I mean, he could have. And he, and he rightly and justly could have. But he didn't. Then in verse 26, in the period of the judges, they became disobedient, rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you, and they committed great blasphemies. You delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. But when they cried to you in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven according to your great compassion. You gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors, judges. But as soon as they had rest, they did evil against before you. Therefore, you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. When they cried again to you, you heard from heaven. Many times you rescued them according to your compassion. Yet they acted arrogantly, didn't listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he'll live. They turned a stubborn shoulder, stiffened their neck, would not listen. However, you bore with them for many years, admonished them by your spirit through your prophets. Yet they wouldn't give an ear. They gave them, therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Nevertheless, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them. You are a gracious and compassionate God. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more stronger than darkness. New every morn. Their sins, they were many. Your mercy was more. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Isn't this just wonderful? Has God not been gracious towards us? Yes. We recounted our story of grace. God did this, and God did that, and then he did this, and then he did that, and then he did this, and that, and this, and that, and it's all of grace. And so often, what have you and I done? Mm. What does God do? He is full of compassion towards those with whom he has covenanted himself as he has to his people in the new covenant in the, son of his, in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Such that we are secure forever. And not even our sins can break it apart. Hey, cool, I can sin all I want then. That is not the attitude of the New Covenant Christian, right? And we'll see next week. It's not their attitude either. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. Paul says, but the reality is, as is sometimes sung, oh, love that will not let me go. 
I rest my weary soul in thee. There is a love of God through Jesus Christ for his people that will not let us go. Paul would say it like what? For I am convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me, us, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be flabbergasted, gobsmacked, amazed at the compassion of our great God. Finally, maybe this one's so, well, let's be a prayerful people. I think, so what are they asking for here? The ask is hard to find, but I think it's there in verse 32. And I think, I think part of it is clear, maybe, what they're asking for. At least it's explicit. Not exactly sure what it means. But I think there might be an implicit request, too. And I'll tell you what I think it is and do with it what you want. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and loving kindness. That's, that's the kind of worship you get to when you just recount the kind of grace that God had shown to them, the grace and compassion. <laughs> You're the great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and loving kindness. Here's the request, I think. Do not let all the hardship seem in- insignificant to you. I think that's the only explicit request in the whole prayer. Don't let all the hardships seem insignificant to you. The troubles that they had had over the centuries, and specifically, probably more specifically, their exile into Assyria, into Babylon. And now as the small remnant has come back, and they are still under the thumb of Persia, Don't let all the hardships seem insignificant to you, which has come upon us. From the days of the kings of Assyria, 800 B.C., to this day, about 432 B.C., so over 400 years, it's been hard. Now, verse 33, Lord, all the hardship that came our way, it was just. You are just in all that's come upon us. You've dealt faithfully, but we've acted wickedly. God, we deserved it. But please take note of us. It's been hard. Don't let all the hardships seem insignificant to you. See us, hear us, help us. I think what, what they may be asking for, it's implied, it's not, it's not there in the text. They may be asking, God, you did all this. We, we kept turning away from you. 
but you were compassionate. And you were good to us, and we turned away. But you were compassionate. And you were good to us, and we turned away. And you were six times over, compassionate, compassion, compassion. I wonder if they're implying, would you be compassionate to us again? Would you do another one of these but gods? Here we are in 36. We are slaves today to the Persians. As to the land which you gave to our fathers to eat of its fruit and its bounty, behold, we are slaves in it. They'd returned and they're back in the land, but the Persians, they're under their thumb. The abundant produce, we, we have to send it away. You've set over us because of our, whom you set over us because of our sins. They also rule over our bodies, over our cattle as they please, so we're in great distress. So I think maybe they're praying, God, do it again. Be compassionate again. Let's keep going to God. They have turned to the right person. They have turned in the right direction. They're crying out to him to take note to be compassionate towards them. So how about it? Let's be a mindful people of all the goodness and the grace that has come our way. Let's be a humble people. Realize that we have oft times sinned against the Lord. Let's, let's though be flabbergasted that He has not forsaken us but been compassionate towards us and continued in His goodness to us. And so let's keep going to Him. Let's keep crying out to Him. Let's keep praying and asking Him that He would take note of us. He would be compassionate to us. He would forgive us of our sins and continue to use us for His great purposes. We'll close with this. It's a preview of next week. I mentioned it earlier. Is the great grace and compassionate of God, does it lead Israel to say, hey, we can just continue in rebellion because God just continues in His compassion. Verse 38, Now because of all this, we are making an agreement in writing and on the sealed document are the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. And in this document, in verse 29 of chapter 10, are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. They want to obey their great and gracious and compassionate God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For the amazing grace of God, the superabounding grace of God. We have not deserved your favor, have not deserved your kindness, have not deserved forgiveness, justification, adoption, reconciliation, eternal life. We don't deserve a bit of it. But you have been gracious. 
chosen us before the foundation of the world, called us to your Son. And by faith, we are forgiven, justified, adopted, reconciled, secure in the love of God forevermore, and dwelt by your Spirit, helped every day in the promise of future glorification and eternal life forevermore. O love that will not let us go. Help us to be humble. When we sin, to quickly take it to you in confession and repentance. And we are so grateful that you do not forsake us, but are full of compassion towards us. So as Ezra and Nehemiah and these Israelites of old find us evermore in prayer, crying out as they did to you, praying and fasting as they did for your compassion, for your blessing upon us. God, would you bless Redeemer Community Church? Would you awaken us afresh, anew to the grace of God, to the holiness of God, to the goodness of God, to the love of God. And might you awaken your church across Katy to the same. And Lord, might you save hundreds, if not thousands, across our city. Hear our prayers and do what only you can. Waken your people, refresh us, encourage us, and spur us on to love and evangelism and open the hearts of the unbelieving to respond to the good news of the gospel of Christ. We will pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.